Why would a single mother take her son, her only son, and journey to the Dominican Republic to live as a full-time missionary in a drug-congested area of a major city in the Dominican Republic? I'm so glad you asked. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. I'm Phil, the Bronx Expositor, with my co-host, Glenn Roy, a.k.a. the West Indian Wordsmith. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we have our first ever female guest from New York City, but she happens to live in the Dominican Republic. Just a stone's throw away. She's named after a mineral, but more importantly, she's named after Christ. Our sister in Christ and fellow labor in ministry, Crystal Diaz. Welcome, Crystal. Hey, guys. Grace and peace. Thank you all. It's a pleasure to be here, a blessing and an honor. And I'm really excited about what the Lord has for us tonight. Amen. Amen. And we're very happy to have you. And we just we just want to make sure that I correct Phil here and to say that self-identifies. We just want to make sure that we're very clear that she also self-identifies as a woman. And a, and a missionary? <laughs> yeah, the missionary part too. But the self-identification, is, is, we got to make sure we get that modern, as progressive as we possibly can. Oh, I think God already decided that, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Mm. Um, so... Uh, Crystal, now you um, are a missionary in the Dominican Republic. Um, was that like the whole of your life? Have you been doing this for 10 years or uh, tell us about that? So for two and a half years, I've been in the Dominican Republic. And I, I knew for years that the Lord was stirring me up and, and calling me to, to do missions I remember there was a sermon being preached by one of my elders at my church, and he was going through 2 Corinthians. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So he's 
expositing this, this text from Corinthians. And he shared a conversation that he had with a missionary that we support as a church from, the, from Indonesia. And the missionary asked him a question. And he said, do you think that there's anyone in your congregation that would come and help us? And I was sitting in the front row, I can never forget. And instinctively, I perked up. And it was in my heart and in my mind, yeah, I'll go. I'll go to Indonesia. And I actually tried to go to Indonesia, but the Lord in his sovereignty said no to that, to that field for me. However, another opportunity presented itself to go to the Dominican Republic. I went on a short-term missions trip. I met the missionary that we, well, that you guys sent over there about, about seven years ago. Calvin went over there. Mm -hmm. And when I met him, mm -hmm. right? It's about seven, right? And when I met him and I met his wife and I saw just the ministry there. I saw the, the need there. I saw that, that harvest there. The, the lack of understanding of God's word, the lack of good teaching. And for me, someone who loves the word, someone who loves to teach the word, that was the thing that just tugged at my heart so much. And the fact that the people there, they'll listen to you. I mean, it might go out the other ear, but they pull out chairs. They're open to listen. So if mm. they have an ear... <laughs> I want to share God's word with them. So, you know, me being a single mother, that's a little, that's not a normal thing to be a full-time missionary and to be a single mother. But I had no doubt in my mind that the Lord was calling me and that he was going to send me. And I presented it to my elders because I want to do all things under what the submission, right, of my elders under their, under their leadership. And they spent the year praying and meeting and by the time, because I was already, it was already said in my mind, I was already practicing some Spanish. I was already preparing. And they decided that, yes, it was God's hand in this. And they sent me in 2019, in the month of September. Yes, well, amen. And I, I know, Kelvin, we speak at least once a month. Uh, he joins us for our men's uh, prayer time online. Um, we do it from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight, and sometimes we go be we go beyond that uh, time period, um, kind of to the afterglow of the prayer meeting. Um, and from what I know about him, uh, he was actually in our church, Grace Baptist, prior to uh, me uh, coming there. He was a <clears throat> um, initially uh, his BC days. Um, drug user, drug dealer, all around the world. Right. Got caught. Got caught in Finland. Uh, a jail guard slipped a Bible into him in Spanish. He read it. God saved him. He ended up in our church. Uh, he wanted to know um, the, uh, proper doctrine, and I think he came initially with the first issue. I think he asked Pastor Peter, "Is what you know? What do you think about you know uh, women being in ministry or women pastors and?" Peter just broke open God's word and, and answered biblically, and uh, and he stayed there ever since. Uh, he became an open-air preacher. Um, he was doing a lot of ministry, and then he was convicted uh, by the Spirit of God to go back to the DR since he was illegally in the U.S. and started a ministry. Is that Did, did I miss anything that you know? 
Well, the I think the one thing that um, it's probably one of my favorite things is that when the Lord saved him in in prison, um, he was discipled. He was discipled by another inmate who's serving life, mm. and under his discipleship, he began evangelizing in the yard <laughs> and preaching in the yard also so straight i mean being in prison it still didn't stop him from proclaiming christ to the lost well amen he was set free from his prison of sin um, even behind bars and there are men that are in the prison of sin and behind bars and then there are men that are free uh not behind bars but they're still in the prison of their sin uh, I can't say that again, what I just said three times real fast. So I <laughs> just wish have to listen back to it. But uh, hopefully that all made sense. Um, you know, we're either slaves of Christ or slaves of righteousness, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, slaves of Christ, hence slaves of righteousness, or we're slaves to sin. Uh, and every single person is a slave to something or someone. Um, so now... You came to Christ. How did that happen? So interesting, um, given the topics that we'll be discussing here and on the podcast. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home, though there were some, you know, trips to church. Apparently, I went to church a lot more than I even remember from what my mother tells us. But I remember not liking church. I never liked to, even at a funeral, I just did not like to be like inside of a church, which is something I didn't like to do. I don't like funerals either. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was one of those um, pothead conspiracy theorists, like you can't trust the government, you can't trust anything. And that actually transferred into the Bible. I didn't believe the Bible was the word of God. I didn't believe that Jesus Christ was even a historical figure. Like all that was just a lie, you know, that, like the man or some people try to tell us to control us. So the age of 16, there was a, a, an event that happened in my life, which we'll talk on about later, right? And that is the abortion yes. that I had at 16 years old. So after that, I was told that I wouldn't be able to have any children. So I automatically translated that into God punishing me. So then much years, much later down the line, excuse me, I ended up getting pregnant. And I remember when I got pregnant, there was like my thinking, something kind of switched. I wasn't converted. I wasn't saved. But I thought God had been punishing me. But I said, but if he's punishing me, but now he's giving me something that I really desire, something that I wanted, something that I cried for. I worked for children for all those years. So that was actually a deep yearning that I had was for a child. And I have this child. And I remember his father told me to abort him. And I said, no, because God gave me this baby. Like, I just knew that, you know, I never was an atheist. I never doubted there was a God. So I just knew that God gave me this baby. So with that, um, I was living in Florida at that time. We went to a church. It was really long. I don't know if you guys ever been to a down south black church. You know, services are three, four hours. Right. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm, there is, you know, it's a very, they're very loving people, but I'm for the first time I'm coming in, I have a 10 month old son. So it just didn't work out for me um, practically. So because of that, I ended up going to another church, finding a church where I could have a better option for him. And it was in that church 
that I heard the gospel. Mm. The pastor preached the gospel and I believed. And it's funny because I remember walking at that church, they did do altar calls, but I remember walking up there and I remember them handing me a blanket and I said, um, no, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not cold. I'm not, I'm not tired. <laughs> I don't, I don't need a blanket. And you guys already know why they gave me a blanket. And then I look over and some people are, are on the floor. So praise God for in the very beginning, kind of giving me a little, no, that's the, a little discernment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, my first, um, my first year looked ugly. That's probably all of our first years looked, but God kept me and he used his word. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Mm-hmm. love I love his word and I was never discipled by a person but by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit and that has kept me up until this day hmm. wow amen amen so this all happened in Florida yes it began in Florida but the love and- for the word began when I went back to New York shortly after okay so obviously the blankets, the falling, charismatic, Pentecostal, church. Um, okay. And then when you heard the word, that was in what kind of a church? When you heard that the gospel? Was in, which you, that was in that church. It was a that was non-denominational, but it's definitely more charismatic in their, in their practice. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, hence the blankets, right? And for larger people, I guess they get sleeping bags. Um, so <clears throat> now uh, I've known you for a while um, and have gone out and evangelized with you. Um, I heard you uh, do well with Muslims and, and just pretty much anybody. Uh, you seem to uh, wear the caricature of an evangelistic magnet. You're kind of always... Uh, uh, joyful, zealous, talking to people. They seem to be drawn to speak to you about the things of God. Uh, where does that come from? That comes from the Lord. <laughs> the Lord. But there, but there is something in particular, and by the way, all that stuff is really not that true. <laughs> A lot of people don't like to talk to me. <laughs> but um, something that the Lord did use was the book of Acts. After reading the book of Acts, I, I couldn't just sit there. And I remember saying, well, what am I doing? I need to, I have to go out and I have to, I have to tell people about Jesus. I have to share the gospel. How can I just, just sit here? Look at what the apostles did. Look at what the first church did. I, like, I, I, I just can't stay here. And I, it was so hard to get people to come out evangelizing with me. So I just took my son and we just began. I just went out. I started with the homeless people. And then that, transferred on to the train and to anybody else who <laughs> I can get, uh, you know, I can engage in a conversation with, mm. but it's, it's, it's all the Lord's doing. It really is by, by his grace and by his might. Now, what would you say to, um, you, cause a lot of women uh, don't want to do it. And um, there are different reasons. What would you say to someone who says it's dangerous? You know, I don't feel comfortable. Um, how, how would you advise someone to, who, who wants to go out evangelizing? But like you said, you had to do that a lot on your own. Um, what yeah. advice would you give to, that, to, to someone like that? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a, a case by case. 
Um, I, I think the majority of people have a fear, a fear of man, mm-hmm. a fear of rejection, a fear of not knowing what to say. And, you know, if you believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who mm-hmm. believe, if you believe that it is God who draws and who saves and who keeps, he opens the ears, he gives the eyes. If, if we truly believe that, we will rely more and more on him and less on ourselves. So I'd like to, I'd love to encourage moms to go evangelizing. And our children are such great tools to use in evangelism. Like if you're in the library, if you're in the supermarket, if you're at the park, wherever you are with other moms there, you have moms there. You have other moms you can just talk to, even if you give a track, even if you um, bring up a conversation, maybe something that you heard the pastor teaching on, on, on Sunday, what you know is what you share. Do mm-hmm. not feel inadequate because you're not, you know, John MacArthur or you're not like Elizabeth Elliot, my favorite woman, by the way, teacher. <laughs> If you're not these people, don't think that you're not capable of doing it. You know, what did Jesus say to Matthew? Did he break down the whole messianic prophecies from the Old Testament? No, he said, follow me. And Matthew, he got up immediately and followed him. Yes, he taught him after, but that's called discipleship. So evangelism really is not as hard as we make it out to be. So I just encourage women to pray and to share what you know and, and to love God enough or love him more that you would want others to worship him and to love him and to know him. And it's also a love for the lost. Where there's not, I mean, we have our children, those of us who have children, they're, they're the first. Our children need the gospel every single day. Those around us at work, wherever they are, we have people that we can share the gospel. So let's love them enough to share with them the truth, Mm. the truth of who they are and the truth of who God is and what he's done in the person of Christ. And and so um, would you say that bringing your children with you sort of has uh, an effect of breaking down barriers you know you could speak with other parents um there's something non-threatening about having a child with you um or even i know uh from personal experience that um as a a seasoned open-air preacher um when i bring my kids out they seem to hand it more tracks than me uh, even though i've been doing this a lot longer than them um i guess it's you know they look up, they see their little blue eyes, and they just they're willing to take the gospel tracks from them. But like, well, you know, what's the deal, Lord? I'm the one with the ministry degree. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine why they're running away from you, though. Wow. Oh, man. I, can't, I can't put my finger on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they run, they um, run towards me. I don't I don't know what's going on. Well, you got that cool accent, you know. <laughs> um Wagwan. Yes, Wagwan. <laughs> So, um, so uh, you you bring your son. How old your son? Well, my son is eleven years old. And, and how many I years is bring he... him? Mm-hmm, I'm sorry. Yep. No, good. Tell me how many years you've been bringing him out. And I started bringing him out when he was two years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put him in the stroller, 
and we would just go. The stroller is actually handy because you can put the tracks in there. Yeah. Or yeah. if, for example, what I did, because there were a lot of homeless people where I lived in East New York. Yeah. So I would put a sandwich in a Ziploc bag. I would staple a track to it. And then I would bring like a soda or juice and I would just give that to them. Yeah. And I used the stroller as storage. Perfect. Do you still use the stroller at 11 or? Is that that no, the fun? No, oh, okay. There's some parents that still do it. There's some parents still who still do it. I'm just I just wanted to know if you're one of those. Okay. So and I I've seen your son out and handing out tracks with us and and what have you. Um. So great testimony. Uh. Wonderful to raise your child up in that way. Certainly not. Um. What a typical. Um. If that's even the right word. Um, Christian mother would do, especially single mother, uh, bring in your children out to evangelize. Um, I think a lot of maybe even pastors would say like, you know, like, what are you thinking? Like, why would you do that? Um, you know, shouldn't your focus be on them going to youth groups and children's things and not going out to exemplify and shine the light of the gospel. But um I mean, he's growing up in with this as as normative in his life, yes. and that is, uh, I, I mean, that makes a powerful impact upon him. And I think predominantly what our children see is important to us generally ends up becoming important to them in their lives as well. Absolutely, absolutely. If I can add one thing, because I just feel like there's some moms out there that are going to have this objection. Well, what if my child acts up? Or what if I need to attend to my mother? I mean, to my child. Right. What a wonderful example you would be as a mom if you have to stop the conversation that you're having to go attend to your child, mm -hmm. to go love them, to be faithful to them, to be a mother to them. Because often a lot of times moms will keep talking, the kid is screaming, they'll respond in anger, they'll get frustrated. But to close the conversation and to care for your child, that in itself mm -hmm. is a testimony of God's work in that mother and also to the child. Our children need to know that we love the loss. Mm -hmm. My son, he goes evangelize, he knows why I do it, but he knows that I love him more. Sure. Right? So there's, you know, every situation is different, but you make it fit your situation in the way that you can but involve the children so important for them to see that. Do you find, I don't know if you know other single moms, do you find that that is something that other single moms do? They, they minister with their children? I have come, I've have encountered a few single mothers. Yes. That, that have done that. Actually one of our sisters in the Dominican Republic, um, she was actually one of the first people that the Lord saved is a single mother. So mm. her already seeing us do it as a church. So naturally, as she became a part of our church, she has her kids um, out there evangelizing. At times, they, they are younger. They are younger. But that's something. So for her, in the beginning of her walk, that was something normal for her to do, bring the children to evangelism. Yeah. Do, do you think that most single moms um, see the opportunity to be involved in, in the ministry? You know, I think a lot of them do struggle. For example, it's like, where do I fit in? Where is my place? Because I went through that. 
I'm like, okay, all right, Titus and Timothy, okay, all these talks and all these teachings tend to uh, focus on the family, which is the way that God designed it, right? So the first thing I had to understand is that my situation is a consequence of sin. But even in that, God's mercy and God's grace and faithfulness is with me and with my son. So understanding that not to look at yourself as you don't have a place because you're not a married or you're not a single because you're single. Yes, but you have a child because you know that also for yourself being a single, a single parent. But there is a place for the single parent. That place is in the body of Christ. We are all one body. We all are different members and we all serve differently. So whatever way you serve as a single mother, you do that. And you bring your kids if it's mm. visiting the seniors in the church. What a blessing to bring your kid just to let the seniors in the church have a child around them. That's such a blessing. Mm. And there are so many things. You can serve families. You guys want a date night. Mm -hmm. So there you're doing two things. You're serving a family who might, a husband or wife who might need some time to go out. And you're giving your child children and friends to mm. play with. So in a way, there are some, definitely some advantages that single um, single parents do do have within the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So I, I, I love the fact that you're very kingdom minded, um, as Pastor Peter would put it. Uh, your 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 mind is wrapped around the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. You seem to see uh, opportunities where others see obstacles, and you seem to not just see the opportunities, but you use them. Uh, you know. Um, you you jump you jump through the hoops of these opportunities. Uh, some are I I guess sometimes the Lord makes the opportunity for you, and sometimes you create the opportunity, and the Lord blesses the uh, the forward momentum of creating that opportunity and kind of making things happen. Sort of like you said, you know what? I took my carriage and I filled it with food and drinks and uh, gospel tracks, and and there, boom, we went out and and we just did the work. Um, without necessarily anybody telling you to do that, uh, it wasn't com it wasn't complicated. Um, you know, it's not like you have to bring a T-bone steak out to the homeless, right? Uh, you know, a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever is the choice of what you would bring out there. Um, and as well, sort of like when children are out there with you, it kind of breaks down barriers uh, when you're bringing out food for people who are in need again, uh, breaks down barriers because you're showing and shining the love of Christ um, to a need that they have. And obviously that points to their greater need. They need the bread of life and the living water. Now think about it. Now, if you take the regular evangelism and then you add this charged environment of an abortion uh, clinic, I mean, uh, like, isn't the stakes raised a little bit? I mean, it's all the same gospel, but I think it's a little bit more. I think if people are afraid or apprehensive to just go out and evangelize, I think it's even more to go to the abortion clinic. I know you've been, you went out with Phil a couple of times. Um, like what, what, what can you, what can you speak to about that as, as a woman, first of all, as a woman who's a single mother and as a woman who has their child with them when they're doing it? I think there's a lot of things you can cover from that. Yeah, well, I, I was able to finally go out one time um, with them. It was last month, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have Amari, Amari with me, um, mm -hmm. not for any reason in particular, just providentially he wasn't with me for, um, for that day. 
And I can honestly say that was one of the hardest things that I've done in my Christian walk. Mm. Mm. You know, I, you know, you hear stories, you see the videos, you see the testimonies, but unless you're there, um, it's, it's, it's very different. There's, um, there's a weight to it. And like, even going home after that, that weight just like stood with me, that burden just stood with me. And it, it caused me to just, to just pray, you know, and, and being that I had, I had two abortions myself. Mm-hmm. So I know some, some of what these women, you know, are thinking. And the thing that stood out to me so much, not that I ever believed that there are like real victims in the sense where they're going to kill a baby. Not that there aren't victims of women who don't get raped. There are women who get raped and incest and all those things do happen. But seeing the real victim or let's say the other victim, right? Who's in the womb, who doesn't get the choice, who doesn't Mm. have the option of saying, well, I don't want this done to me or yes, do it to me. That's completely taken away. And the saddest thing was also, one of the saddest things I should say is the hardness of hearts. Hmm. I mean, those women there were just so hardened. And I remember one encounter, I'm speaking to a young lady who's there and I'm talking to her and I'm just saying, listen, I've done this. I've been there. I, I know what you're thinking. And, you know, but there's hope. This place doesn't offer hope only death but there's hope and there's life and you know in Christ and so finally I guess she just had it and she looked no first I'm sorry first she looked at me and said I'm just here to get blood work and I said okay well you don't have to come here to get blood work you can go to another place that doesn't kill babies and then that's where she had it and she said they killed my baby last week mm-hmm. so even with that she says they Thus, she's saying them, right? She's giving them the Mm. charge of what killing and who she gave it a a possessive pronoun, my baby. But yet she's still there on that line to enter Mm. into the place that killed her baby. Now, if that was a person that killed her baby and she was in front of their house and we would say, well, why are you going to his house? She's not going to say, oh, he killed my baby, but I'm still going to come over to his house. No, you're not going to do that. So... And I remember another one, it was a mother and it was a mother. She was like, I'm a mother. I already have kids. And she was like, don't talk to me because I'm going to get an attitude with you. And I said, okay, at that point, just let me just back up a little bit. But then when I, I shared, I had to, and I looked at her and I said, you're a mother. Children are a blessing from the Lord. You know better than anybody else here, the joy of having children. Mm-hmm. you know it when you look at your children and then she I mean she didn't curse me out or anything but she just got really really upset and, and she mm-hmm. still entered so it's it was it, it was really hard and it's and it's such a need it's such a need to have more saints go there and to do that and there's so many different ways that you can be there serving like you can just go and pray a group of people praying in front of that during interceding during the evangelism. Like how powerful is that? God answers prayers. God works. Those things can be done. Just giving out tracts and just, you know, it's a ministry in which all different kinds of people can, can serve at. 
So I hope that as hard as it is, that I can can go again. Yeah, yeah, amen. And I was there, I heard you share your testimony in front of a line of ladies. Uh, they were about to go into that abortion clinic. Just, um, it was just such a, just such a graceful yet truthful and compassionate sharing of the gospel, just just beaming truth, beaming the light of Christ, the love of Christ, and yet the truth of Christ. I mean, you called sin, sin. And um, I think if Glenmore is able to do that, we might be able to attach the testimony maybe on the end of the video or something. Yeah, I'm sure, not sure, sure if that's sure, possible, sure. Yeah. but I, I, I do have that. Um, and I, I was ever grateful that you shared the, uh, the testimony. Um, obviously, there is a way that... Uh, Again, kind of like bringing a child uh, when you're evangelizing, there's something, uh, I guess, of a barrier breakdown uh, when you would share than perhaps, you know, one of us men uh, that are preaching, um, you know, because sometimes the walls are up, you know, you can't um, talk about a woman's issue. It's it's my body, my choice and all kind of the uh, somebody said to a friend of mine, um who was speaking about abortion to a woman um you're mansplaining <laughs> you know i do it all the time wow. that's I right mean, i can't even right. help myself yeah you're mansplaining. I, I can't help myself i can't even help have myself you, have you heard of that term before crystal mansplaining no mansplaining that is new to it's, me it's no no one. no it's 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 vogue i do it all the time so it's really hard for me not to explain while mansplaining man. um, <laughs> so so I, but i try i found a way to do it yeah. I just don't talk. I don't explain. Uh, uh, so he was, you know, he, he said he was thinking of asking, you know, are you woman-splaining? Woman-splaining? <laughs> you know, woman-splaining. Yeah. yeah, I guess. You know, like uh, Ricky Ricardo and uh, Lucia Boyle. You know, yeah. Lucy, you got some explaining. Now, now um, I might be explaining. I might be, I might be ex de describing it incorrectly, but it be, basically understanding is like, because I'm not a woman and because I don't know what you're going right. to. And then I start telling you mm -hmm. things about what a woman should or shouldn't do, then you're mansplaining. You really have no authority to speak yes. on the woman's experience. Or right. Right. But it's always okay for a woman to do the opposite because they are, they're, they're emphatic, em emphatic or whatever the, the term is where you can, they, they can understand my experience, but I can't expect understand theirs. And that's kind of the way the term, and it's empathetic. meant to shut down conversation, you know? Yeah. Are you looking right. at empathetic? Empathetic. There you go. There. I see. I, I can't even talk. I, I'm mansplaining. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm the new West Indian Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to go back to what we we're saying before, and, yes. I, and I think you started off the statement by saying it was the most difficult thing you ever had to do. And it, but I, I and I and I know through some people might understand exactly what you're saying, but I want you to to clarify again. It's not the act of doing it. It's not that it's harder than any other um, type of evangelism, but it was the emotional toll. Correct. Yeah, it's the reality of what's what's occurring spiritually and emotionally. Yes, it is it is weighty. It was difficult and it was and it was burdensome. Um, I remember when I shared after I shared the testimony, our sister Jen, um, she came up to me and she just hugged me, and I just started crying because it's just the reality. This this what they're doing. It's like they're bringing their babies and sacrificing them, you know, and it's. Mm. it's it's sad do, do you think there's a level of some of the harshness or the harsh reaction is because 
when we go out and evangelize normally, we say, hey, you know, we talk, we show them the law. We show them how they're sinning. And in this case, you, you just say it like you're going to kill the baby and there's no place to really hide. And so the only reaction could be is anger, is defensiveness, right. is, is, is furthering, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what, what spurred you on um, when you were there and you see this line of ladies to, you know, the courage, the spurring to share uh, such a personal thing with women you don't even know about your life that they, I mean, they, they know nothing about your life. And yet what spurred you to do that and weave the gospel into it? Mm. Well, I guess you can go back to that text for the love of Christ controls us, right? So the, the love of Christ is what controls me to love him, right? In first place. By sharing his word, his gospel, which exalts and glorifies him, and loving those women and those babies that are inside of their wounds. Mm -hmm. And you know, and another thing from being having having been in that position, I know that a lot of them don't even know exactly what the procedure mm -hmm. is. They don't mm -hmm. really know what's going on because I knew nothing mm. at nothing i was 16 my mother took me to like a hospital i wasn't even in like a clinic i had no idea what's going to just put me to sleep and then i woke up and i remember when i woke up and i was crying and crying and crying and crying and the second one i did was actually shortly after my son was born and again it's another woman i know what a lot of women think my thought, my thinking was, I do not want to have another baby with this man, not him. So that led me to make it. So in that place for the second one, it was a clinic. I don't remember much, but I remember waking up after and just sitting in this room with a, with a bunch of women and we're all just groggy and drugged up and, and my son's father just, just, picks me up and walks me to the car and just like puts me in the car. I don't even know how I went home to even nurse my, my son after that or what I did, but I was so drugged and I was so out of it. And, you know, there's not, they don't explain. It wasn't until, I want to say maybe about, maybe two years ago where I was mm. watching, remember the movie, was the movie Planned? Is that Unplanned. Unplanned, 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 not planned. Well, they planned it, but unplanned, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching that movie. And after I saw that movie, I went home with such a weight and I just wept and I wept and I cried and I prayed. I know there's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. I didn't feel condemned, but wow, the reality of what I did, because I did that twice there's no getting away from that i'm covered in christ i'm forgiven my my sins are forgotten in the eyes of the lord but for me that stays with me my first abortion i know the date may 11 1999 my son's birthday is may 22nd so throw a little more you know add a little right. to that so it's not something that you forget and seeing the procedures and seeing exactly what they did. I'm like, I had no idea that yes. that's what they did. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't yeah. excuse it. 
Not, not Crystal. I had one question. One question. So I, I just want for the people listening, watching, they're going to say, well, you're Christian. So that's why it bothers you. I, can you just speak to the fact that even before you became saved, it's not something that you just do and you kind of go about your business. It's like you, you remember, right? Absolutely. And, and as I mentioned before, I worked with children. Mm. I would see kids every day. And I would always remember when mom would come in and they'd go, mommy. Mm. And that would hurt because yeah. I could have had that. Mm. And I'm mm. not going to, and I'm not going to have that. So no, it's not just because I'm, I'm a Christian. That was on my conscience before the Lord saved me. Wow. Mm. I, I remember when Nick was preaching and kind of describing, um, they take the ladies, you know, they bring them in, they do an ultrasound, never show them the ultrasound picture. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they, they kind of get down to, uh, you know, to the, whatever they need to do to murder this child. Um, and then you got up and gave your testimony and what, what Nick had just preached matched what you said happened to you. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that the these these murder mills never show the mothers the sonogram pictures? Hmm. Just made me think of the Romans one, the fact that everybody knows that there is a God. They mm. know there's a creator. They know that God created those babies also. They know that those babies are alive in the mother's womb. And they know, as Roman, Romans 2 also tells us, right, about the Gentiles who do not have the law, but the law is on their conscience, right? We know right from wrong. So if those mothers have an opportunity to actually see that baby, there's more of a chance that minds can be changed. Mm. But when they don't see, when they don't know, it is much easy for them to keep them in the controlled mind state that they have them mm -hmm. that this is just a clump of cells it's not alive you don't need to look at it sure mm. sure mm. do you think um that a lot of mothers um because i know my friend gave an illustration um if your son or daughter said you know mommy can i kill it you would want to know well well what's the it mm. if the it is a spider then then sure you you can kill it um if the it is your sister or brother or the family dog well then no you can't kill it and so i mean um do a lot of ladies have this mindset that it is something other than a baby i mean is there um is there some uh, twisting of the mind that says, oh, like, like it was mentioned, just a clump of cells, but without thinking through that you and I are simply also a clump of cells, just more developed. Yeah. 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 I think that they just, they know what appeases their people, right? They're, 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 let's say their audience, right? They're, they're, they're clientele. They know what they need to, to hear. And if, we, and if we really think about where that kind of thinking comes from, I mean, you guys are far more learned in this whole, the whole thing of, of evolution and Darwinism and all of these different worldly um, teachings 
that actually are the ones who came up with this. You're just a clump of cell. It's not alive. It's only alive at a certain point. All of these things. And a lot of, a lot of women are very naive. And I say naive very lightly because there's access to a lot of information, especially now. You have, we have Google, we have YouTube, we have Siri, Alexa, and all these other things. I came to America, I saw all of these things. I'm like, what are all these robots you guys have in your home telling you things and giving you information? Mm-hmm. So the, the access is far greater than it was when I had an abortion, but it feeds what the woman wants to hear. It eases their consciousness also. So there's a naive and there's a woman who knows what she's doing, but this helps ease her conscience. This is not a real baby. It's just a clump of cell. It's not alive. It's not going to feel it. So therefore what I'm doing is justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And it seems that uh, it, it naturally seems to go from, uh, from the preborn to the newborn because Maryland state they have a bill called 669 to legalize infanticide up to 28 days after birth. And I'm sitting here thinking a baby that you've washed and wiped and fed and nursed and all that goes along with caring for a newborn. And then all of a sudden you can just take that life. Mm. Wow. What say you? What? I don't... Did, were you, after were you, the baby were you, was born? Were, were you unfamiliar with that? Is this like new? I didn't. Yeah. Didn't know that. That's, which is I, fine. If you didn't know, you didn't know it. I didn't know um, either. Okay. March 18th, uh, 2022. So this was this month. Mm. Maryland legislators are attempting to legalize infanticide. Um, to decriminalize the killing of babies up to 28 days after birth. And, and, and before Crystal answers, we also in New York, they had a, they passed another bill, right? And they had a standing ovation with both members of the party all standing, clapping because they passed a, some abortion bill that kind of gave, it, not 28 days after, but like pretty much up, up, up until you, you, can, you can have the abortion. And they were clapping and you unanimous you know like they they don't agree on anything and they clapped for this bill that they did it's um it was like a a roman chapter one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh in full effect clap Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it was romans chapter one uh in 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 volume Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah uh, they're just, just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Uh, uh, Crystal, I know this is a difficult question, so maybe I will parse it because I don't even know. You know, we do this uh, on a regular basis. I don't know how to even uh, tackle that. But <laughs> I, we before we started, we talked about, like, what's the, the political situation or what's, what's, how, what's the viewing of abortion in DR? Now that you're a dual kind of citizen, <laughs> right? Um, what, 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 is, what is it happening down there? Like, we, we've already told you what's happening in the U.S. in terms of you know, up to 28 days after they're considering that, like, it shouldn't even be a question, but what's happening in DR? Is it the same? Is it different? Uh, Okay. Let me just remove, just 
process, what I just learned. Um, so in the Dominican Republic, abortion is illegal. Praise mm. God, it's still illegal. I believe last year they tried to make abortion legal for the three cases. Mm-hmm. Incest, rape, or if the mother's life is at danger. There were actually many, many people who protested and the bill did not pass, praise God. Um, but there are people in in the government who are progressive and they are still trying to push for that to be illegal. I don't know how hard of a push it is, but it's still there. So I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be brought up again. But abortion is not a thing that we even discuss, to be honest with you. When we go, I mean, Kelvin has preached on it or, or we've discussed it in, in studies or just fellowships and gatherings. But when we go evangelize on a day-to-day, it's not even something that we need to discuss. I mean, women there have babies so young. So aborting is not even like a thing. Like if you're 13, you get pregnant, you have, you're having your baby. 14, mm-hmm. there are young moms who have so many, mm-hmm. so many children. There are, there are a large amount of large families there because abortion is not something that is a, a mainstream thinking over there. I think for people, for people our age and younger, it's like, it can be illegal. Like it, 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 the, 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 the way we look at it now is that it's always been legal and we're just kind of fighting the trend. No, no, this is a very recent thing. And, you know, it just shows the degradation we have from God. Um, I was also talking about the fact that, it, you know, in Britain, that it's not even, they're not fighting it. It's, it's the law of the land that abortion is legal. And the, the, the conservatives, the people that you think would be fighting are like, no, it's not, it's a subtle issue. It's not even a, an issue. Now, obviously Christians, we fight it wherever we are, but from a political standpoint, it's not an issue in certain countries. So it's heartening to know that DR is standing firm on the sanctity of life, but you know, this, this is a global battle. This is something that we, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad you're here because I, I, I know we've done a couple podcasts on this, but it's very important to understand that we are not against women. We're not against women's rights. This is destructive for the woman. This is not something that they're doing that is nobody's business. And no, it's it's like someone taking drugs, and you know that it's going to lead down right. a bad path. It's you're you you're doing things to your body you don't know. So if it's your body, your choice, you don't know what's happening to your body while you're doing right. this and taking the life of another. So I, I'm just glad you're here to kind of express it because I've been doing it and, and hearing you talk about not knowing what happened to your body is it's frightening to me, you know. It is. Yeah, yeah. The um, in DR, I, I'm I'm just thinking, right? So you have these young teenage uh, moms, um, and the focus here in the states is that you know if a teenager gets pregnant you know it's going to ruin her life yeah it's end of, uh, end of life life is going to be over <laughs> but um would you say that 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 is showing itself to be false in the dr not that we're promoting teenagers getting pregnant we're certainly right. not promoting that in any way shape or form but uh, i mean is their life over like like are they dead in the water no, no, they're not. They're not dead in the water. Yes, they're struggling. Yes, yeah. it's difficult, um, but they're not. 
they're not dead. Their life can continue. And again, it depends on where the different classes you have the poor, you have the middle class, and there are some upper class. Haven't met upper class people yet in the Dominican Republic. I we we tend to be more in the lower cat and lower class people in the in the ghettos, right? We call barrios and things like that, and some middle, yeah, those barrios, <laughs> and some middle class engagements, but. You know, these these women, it, it's something very interesting, though, about the Dominican culture, which I think is really important to understand. Me, being Puerto Rican, Latin people, we are very family-oriented. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this big aspect of family. Not every family fits that, you know, but mm, right. for the most part. So a lot of times the mother is not necessarily left on her own, though she is, but she can find some assistance for some things or even the neighbors the neighbors these people are so giving though they're poor they're they give they share so they form their own little communities together of friends and they go and they cook for each other bring each other food watch their kids and different things like that i mean you know there are a lot of harder sides to it of course but no life is life moves on do you have any um young mothers in your church yeah, we do. So you're ministering to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, we have one woman who she has five children mm. and she's not even 30. Mm. She's probably in her mid-20s and she has five children. What, what would you say now? You personally, do you do you regret having your son? And I, I, I think I know the answer, but I, I, <laughs> I, I've heard people say it like, oh, I'm having a ch-. like they think it's the end whatever age it's the end like is there is there a part of you that's like and we could be honest it's just between you me and phil is is there a part where you're like you know what you know i I could do so many things if i didn't have my son or is it kind of god thank you for my son you know what's what's the real response that you have you know i couldn't honestly couldn't imagine my life Mm -hmm. without my son Mm -hmm. You know, he's my, I always tell him, you know, you're my, we're a team, mm. we're a team. And you help mommy, mommy helps you. Mm. And it's always, it's always been like that. He's 11 and that's been our whole entire life, mm. me and him. Mm. Um, yes, bringing us into the church that we're, that we're, we were in my sending church that, you know, God showed us what a, a family looks like within the church. But um, no, even when he's not around me, as much as he makes me <laughs> go like this. <laughs> not, the truth coming out. The truth is coming out. <laughs> but uh, honestly, mm. I really wouldn't have it any mm. any other way. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, single moms uh, can still minister and be used mightily of the Lord uh, in and through the local church. And um, it's not this mentality that, oh, I have, you know, I have this child and I can do anything. Well, there there is a lot of things you can do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's, and it's not that uh, single moms only have to like fellowship and connect with other single moms alone. Uh, They're in the body of Christ just as much as every other members in the body of christ um in in what ways 
would you encourage uh, single moms to get involved in ministry? And in what ways can the, can the church, um, and I don't know a better word to use, support, encourage, equip single moms as well? The first thing I'll say to my single moms, ask for help. It's okay. It's okay mm. to be weak. We're so used to being strong. We're so used to doing everything by ourselves. I remember my son had like the heaviest stroller. I don't know why I had this heavy stroller. And people would ask me, you know, going up the stairs on the subway, do you need help? I'm like, no, I got this. I'm good. Like, what you ask me? You think I can't pick up my son's stroller? I got this. I've been doing this for all these years. Right. And I, I brought that into my walk with the Lord. Mm. So asking for help was hard for me to do mm. for several mm. reasons, right? Pride is one. Um, not receiving the help is another. But the Lord showed me that I can be weak. It's okay. Be weak. I'm strong. So when I started to ask for help, the abundance of help that I received mm. was just over overwhelming and in sharing those ways i've been helped is how this local church can support encourage and help a single mother in the first place families men in the church women in the church love that child hmm. make be intentional on saying hello to that child talking to that child inviting that child if you have kids to come and spend time with your family. That's one of the major ways North Shore um, encouraged me. There were families that would come and say, hey, we're gonna, Mari wants to hang out with, can we hang out with Amari? Or we wanna bring Amari over. And they will go, like, I'm not even invited to the party. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's, you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, we're, you know, right? So I'm like, hey, where are we going? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh no, this, we're just gonna take Amari. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. I guess I'll just go fellowship somewhere else. So doing that because, yeah. right. So doing that, you you are showing that child and the mother mm -hmm. and the father, I mean, those are fathers in here too, the love of Christ and your love for them and your love for the child. Mm -hmm. The other way are the elders. Elders, because it's it's difficult. I understand if there are men in the church who would have a desire to love your child if they're single men. But in those situations, we need a lot of wisdom, right? Because there can be maybe things misconstrued mm -hmm. or it might not look well to avoid, to be above reproach, to avoid giving a bad testimony and appearance of evil or anything like that. Um, practically, is to maybe get a group of people or maybe get a few other men and say, hey, can we take your son? We're going to go play basketball, we're going to play football, we're going to go catch a movie. And that way you incorporate other brothers and women do the same if there's a single um parent with the daughter say hey we're going to take her um a few of us are going to go do something can we take her but for the elders sitting with those children and sitting with that mother and helping that mother with biblically raising her child i did not know what that was my son was whoa he was a handful he was so hard and I thought that I was biblically training him. I thought I was doing a pretty good job until the elders pulled me in in the meeting. I was like, yeah, no, you need to, 
yeah, your, your kid is like really bad. You mm-hmm. need to do, do something. And they counseled me and they encouraged me from using a rod, from using scripture, from being consistent and all of these things that I had never knew before. And what happened by God's grace doing that, there was some change. So us single, single parents, we, we, need, we need help <laughs> in discipline our children because we had to wear both hats. So I'm, I'm hearing, yeah, so I'm hearing that um, you appreciate if uh, some godly men, especially elders, would swing by and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to go do this. Can I, can I take your son with me to go do this? And, and you have, um, you know, obviously a level of trust that, that has been built up. Um, and there is that godly male influence because, you know, um, I mean, as, as much as you are a godly mother, that manhood aspect, uh, you can't give them because you don't have it to give, but that doesn't mean he can't receive it elsewhere. Um, so I believe it was, uh, the young pastor, Timothy, whose mother and grandmother, uh, were instrumental of the Lord to bring Timothy to faith. And then Paul came alongside and he called Timothy, his own son in the faith. And so I could see that Uh, I am an elder. Other elders will listen to this podcast. And so be encouraged elders to, um, to learn how to minister uh, to um, single mothers. And also the other aspect I heard was equipping single mothers so ministering directly to, but also equipping you to be a biblical parent and to provide biblical parenting as a godly mother. And so that aspect, I believe, uh, is important. So um, it's not that uh, you have to just struggle on your own. And it's not that everything about it is a struggle. Uh, there's right, great exactly. joy as well. And I think sometimes people look perhaps since, oh, you know, she's a single mom and, and like the cup is always half empty instead of, yeah. you know, the cup is half full as well. Um, and so, yeah, uh, there, there are some struggles, but I feel like we live in such a emotionally sensitive uh, culture that it's like, oh, everything is woe is me. And, um, and, but there's never any proactivity of not what can I do about my situation, but what can I do with it? And it's not merely a situation. You are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of all kinds of different situations and people. And so this is a glorious thing to show how uh, God uh, reconciles lives and puts all kinds of people from all kinds of situation all into the same body of Christ. And we're all one big family it is true there's one scripture that used to minister to my heart the most and i always it's like i love it but i always forget i think it's psalm 68 or 63 8 or 68 3 where the lord says i am a father to the fatherless Mm -hmm. a defender of widows and i would set the lonely in families who's a family Mm. yeah body of christ the local Mm. churches yeah. And, and as you were saying that, it, it reminded me of the book of Job, where Job said, you know, he, he went basically to minister to, uh, you know, uh, uh, children without 
mothers or, or parents and, and he said he, yeah. he you know he caused the uh the widow's heart to sing or the single mother's heart to sing and he brought great joy to their lives and so uh, there's a tremendous opportunity to do that and so perhaps you know there are some also just mature men uh, in the church that can take uh, a son uh, and do that. And there's some mature women in the church that could take, you know, a young girl to do. I know we had a, a girl in our church um, <clears throat> and she took my daughter, um, even though, you know, my wife is, um, you know, <laughs> we're all together. Uh, I really appreciated that this godly uh, woman in our church who is married decided to have a, a, a girl's night and, and said, you know, why don't we have your 14 year old daughter join us? Yeah. And that was a great blessing. You know, I, I want her to be around other godly women as well and experience that because the focus is for children to become godly men or godly women, not this whole focus on teenage, this whole teenage stage, which right. is so, um, uh, uh, molded into our culture, but in a lot of countries, they go from boyhood to manhood. Um, yes. and this teenage thing is, is, is not really a stage that we've made it with such a focus, um, in our, uh, in our culture. And so if we want our sons to become biblical men, they have to hang out with biblical men. And if we want our daughters to become biblical women, they have to be around biblical women and see that it is not a drudgery of life. It is a joyous life. And Sorry, if I, I sound like just, a preacher. No, it's okay. <laughs> if I can just add um, maybe an example to what you're saying mm -hmm. and another encouragement also for single moms, it's our children, especially our son, our sons do need to have some godly role models and males in their life. Because as tough as we can be, as strong as we can be, we're not men. And, yes. and I remember the example of with, with my son. So there was a couple who just started coming to the church and the father came up to me and his wife and he said, hey, you know, hey, can we hang out one day? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we, I went over to their home and it was like from that day, that was it because me and his wife, my best friend, I'm sorry, I'm doing a best friend shout out right now. <laughs> and, and, and hi, Nita. And her, um, her husband. So they have a son and they have a daughter. Their son is around Amari's age. So my son will go up to their house often. And I remember one time I went over to their house and the father said, Amari. And he said, yes, sir. And I was like, what? where is my son? Did what did you do to him? <laughs> I was like, can I get a yes, ma'am? Can I, can I get one of those? Because, and just to see the big difference, he'll say, Amari, sit down, stop it. Amari will go and sit down. I was like, wait a second. How'd you do that? There's <laughs> a like, look you gave. Pass, pass the foot, show the look. But there really is, is <laughs> right. <laughs> It's amazing, it right? But yeah. there really is a difference. There really there is, is a difference. It really is, really is amazing. And you know, I, I um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna close up. I remember when, um, and I normally didn't uh, don't agree with uh, this individual, but even when Barack Obama mm -hmm. talked about the great importance of fathers, um, you know, unto their children, like like the left like bashed him for it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and he said a lot of true things that I would agree with. You know, mm-hmm. I don't agree, agree with yeah. pretty much any of his policies, <laughs> but this, but this one thing, and it's not that he created it. It was just kind of like he was yeah. agreeing, you know, he was agreeing perhaps unbeknownst himself of what the Bible says Amen. that, you know, kids that, that have fathers are less likely to go to detention and jail and use drugs and, you know, and, and so on and so forth and get involved in all of these vices and sin that's out in the culture. And so if that is not present with a single mom, um, there needs to be uh, a god, godly men in the church that can do that, that can provide that. It's not that it's not there. It is there. And I like what my friend Scott Brown says. He would say, if he was there with Amari, he would say, Amari, you don't just have one dad. You have many dads in this church. Mm-hmm. You have many fathers in this church. Mm-hmm. And so I you know, I mean, just amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are gonna get an opportunity to do that because Amari's gonna be with you guys on Saturday for evangelism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, amen. amen. You're gonna have to do the look again, Phil. You have to do the look. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about? Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, because you know, love is something that uh, is not hard to understand in the scriptures, mm. but sometimes it seems hard to undertake. But but that's yeah. what we must do. We might mm. we must not just understand love, but we must undertake and be willing to sacrifice and inconvenience ourselves and put ourselves out there to love like Jesus loved. Yeah. So, Amen. Uh, Glenn, any last words? Uh, thank you for sharing what you shared. Um, definitely was eye-opening to me. Um, it, it's definitely, um, helpful to know it from a firsthand experience. Cause you know, once again, you talk about it, you know, it's wrong, but when you hear someone who has actually gone through it, it does make a difference. And I hope people are blessed by this and we want to get past these defensive positions of you don't know. And you don't know where I'm coming from. And I, I want to get you to know that that regardless of the circumstances, a human life is worth more than the inconvenience you think it might cause. Amen. Amen. Well, Crystal, again, uh, I agree with Glenroy. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, all of our listeners, um, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. Uh, please support this ministry. Uh, we have gotten involved in this aspect in our ministry as well, going out to the abortion clinic, being on the front lines. And I could tell you this for me seems like the closest um, practical reality of standing at the gate of hell and redirecting traffic away toward the cross of Christ to the salvation of children and souls. So um, if you'd like to join us in this ministry, if you'd like to financially support us uh, and, and prayerfully support us, uh, please do. Um, you'll hear uh, at the end of this how you can uh, do that. And as well on our website, if you'd like to support our um, our ministry through buying some of our merchandise, uh, keep us in prayer. I would like to create uh, perhaps one or two uh resources that focus on bringing attention to this issue of abortion and pro-life and the sanctity of life. Uh, So I'm just trying to get ideas out there. And so if you are a creative person, uh, shoot some ideas toward us 
um, we're kind of getting ideas funneled into us um, uh, for such a time as this. And, and so uh, just pray for us and um, we, we, we need your prayers. Amen. Well, again, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can get a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.